you guys could open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm excited about what I'm talking to you about tonight. We'll uh, see where the Lord takes us. But in Ephesians chapter 4, this is a very familiar passage. In verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Why did he do this? Verse 12, For the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to the mature man or the mature person, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about with every wind of doctrine. In other words, we're supposed to be sensible. You see that? Not supposed to be tossed around as children and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, how many of you know there's people out there who would like to fool you? I get frequent phone calls and texts telling me if I will just send $10,000 to Nigeria that I will get a million dollars back. <laughs> I hope none of you fell for that one. I can't be the only one who gets these things, okay? Anyway, by craftiness and deceitful, deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. You see that? We are to grow up. Don't look at your neighbor and say grow up because they would think you were being rude. But, but we all want to grow up. We all need to grow up because if we don't grow up, then we're acting like children in a bad way. Now, is it always wrong to act like a child? No, because God wants us, Jesus said, he wants us to have faith of a child. Why? Well, because they believe what they believe, what the word says. You know, it's the easiest thing in the world to get a child saved. You know, you can, if you all want to come down to Children's Church and, and uh, my, my teachers who teach down there, they'd all attest to this. You tell the kids about Jesus, how he loved him, how he died for him, how he wants to save him. If they want to ask Jesus into your heart, <laughs> they're not shy about it. They don't do any of this. None of that. They're, they're all excited. See, that's childlike faith. I mean, because, because they haven't ever been tricked by anybody. They've never been, never been misled by anybody, so you don't have to talk them into it. They, they know. They, they recognize the truth, and they're like, yes, I want in. See, so, so tonight, here's what we're, we're going to do. I want you to, to all take the switch of childlike faith and turn it on, because, because sometimes... Getting a hold of what God says in his word is hard for us because of the things we've experienced. But tonight, we're all going to get our childlike faith on, and we're going to get a hold of what God said in his word. Now, not what I say, but we're going to take a look at what God said, okay? All right, so that's uh, Ephesians chapter 4. My point on this was that God... Well, there's so many things you could teach out of that, but, but God gave some as apostles, evangelists, Pastors, teachers, prophets, right? We saw that, right? Everybody a prophet? No. Everybody an apostle? No, no, on all of them, right? All right, Romans chapter 12. Back up a couple books to Romans chapter 12. And, and then we're going to just, I'm going to go through some stuff pretty fast here. So if you just write them down, you can if you want to, rather than uh, being the one who has to race through your Bible. You can just read them up here, okay? Romans chapter 12. 12, starting with verse 3. For the th Paul's writing here. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Ever known somebody who seemed to think more highly of themselves than they should think? All right, I think more, more common is somebody who thinks less of themselves than they should think. But, but there are people in both ditches, okay? God wants us running right down the middle of this road. He doesn't want us thinking too much of ourselves. He doesn't want us 
thinking too little of ourselves, okay? You know, if you go around telling everybody what a worm you are and I'm just a lowly sinner, well, I hope you're not, you know, because Jesus saved you and he made you a new creation and therefore you're not a lowly worm or a sinner anymore because he made you a new creation. But see, it takes childlike faith to believe that you're a new creation. You understand that? You have to get a hold of that because, well, I don't feel any different. I felt this way for years. I've been praying about the same thing for years of my life, and God hasn't fixed it yet. Well, okay. Don't, 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 don't react to that. No one will know that you feel that way too. Because we all have things in our lives that, okay, one time I asked God something, and, and 20 years later, I kid you not, he answered it. 20 years. I don't know. I wasn't ready for the answer, though. Do you understand that? He knows. I mean, you know, I'm not calling myself a swine or anything, but you don't throw pearls to swine and you don't give people information that they don't need before they need it. Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, one time I was getting ready to go, to go on a trip on a, on a jet and a friend of mine called me and was talking to me about how much they love to fly and how much they love it when there's turbulence on the flight. Now, I'd never been on a turbulent flight before, ever. And they were like, they were just going on and on. And I love turbulence. I just think of six flags. I'm, I'm, I want to put my hands up. There's people screaming and throwing up all around me. And I think it's the most fun thing in the world. <laughs> two days later, I'm on a flight. Actually, no, I wasn't two days. Two days later, I flew out. Four days after that, I flew back. We're flying over the Rocky Mountains. And, and the, the stewardesses all of a sudden are running through the cabins, not asking if they can have your drink. They're just taking the drinks and shoving them in a bag. They're not saying anything. And they're running. And finally, the captain, you know, the pilot comes on and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, they tell us we're going to encounter some turbulence. I have instructed the flight crew to strap themselves in. No one will get out of their chair for any reason until I say so. Hang on. And I am telling you, there were people throwing up and screaming and crying. The plane was bam, bam, and rocking back and forth. And I'm sitting there thinking about Six Flags because see, <laughs> see, because the Lord will get you what you need right before you need it. We have to extend our childlike faith out to him Okay, we're still talking about not thinking too much or too little of yourself, okay? Just, just walk with me here a little bit, okay? So, so skip down to verse 5 of Romans 12. You still in Romans 12? So we, well, back up to verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, the body of Christ, where we all, the church, makes up the body of Christ, and all the members do not have the same function, verse 5, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Now, so we all function as a body. We all function together, all right? The Bible says we all need each other, all right? Did you ever hurt one of your toes, and you're like, wow. I broke one of my toes once. It hurt for like six weeks, maybe longer. And, and you're like, wow, I never even thought about the fact that my toe was there until suddenly it is in great pain. And then you're very aware of the fact, and, and the Bible says that when one member suffers, we all suffer together. Isn't that true? I mean, it's true in our bodies. And, and you know what? Whether you realize it or not, you know, in this day and age, we're all kind of standoffish, you know. We don't talk to our neighbors much. We don't talk to the people at church necessarily. We kind of slip in, slip out. Well, okay. That, that isn't how God wants us to be in the body. He wants us to, to function as one, but, but, but back in Ephesians, God said he gave apostles, prophets, etc., etc., so that we could grow up. Didn't he say that? All right, I'm going to step on your toes a little. Okay, so we, so, so, so we all have to grow up. We all have to be willing to be a little vulnerable and get to know people and, and let that body that we're a part of in instead of keeping everybody out. Well, I got hurt. Okay. Okay, but, but here, here's the deal. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. Are you in Christ? Then you're a new creature. Do you always feel like a new creature? No, but does it have anything to do with that at all? No, zero. Do you understand it has absolutely zero to do with that, right? Because, because if you're in Christ, the word says, 
I am a new creation. I'm a new creature. Either I am or I'm not. Either God told the truth or he didn't. We know he did, don't we? So, so we know we're a new creature. Okay. And we're all part of one body. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I've been trying to get there. That's, that, that, that's where I've been trying to get to. But I had to lay a little bit of groundwork. God made and, and set in the church apostles and prophets and what have you. And now we have Paul. Paul's called an apostle. Now, the, the, uh, the 11, there were 12 disciples, right? One of them betrayed Jesus. That left 11. They named another one. So there's 12 of the the uh, apostles, original apostles, and there's other apostles that God named, including Paul. And Paul, <laughs> Paul had to defend himself just a little bit. You understand that Paul persecuted the church. He murdered people. He had them stoned when Stephen was stoned uh, and killed by throwing large rocks at him. Paul was standing there collect, holding the coats. I don't know why, but that's what it says. Anyway, Paul was there giving approval to what they were doing, killing this guy. He was part of a mass, you know, murder of Christians. They started persecuting the Christians. Paul was a big part of it until Jesus spoke to him, met him on the road to Damascus. Paul got miraculously saved, miraculously saved. His, he had, his eyes had gone blind. He was miraculously healed, filled with the Holy Ghost. And then God taught him all sorts of things. The Word says, if you want to read about that, it's in Galatians 1. But Paul had to defend himself a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, are you there? Verse 5 says, Paul here, For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. Was he bragging? Was he trying to be a big shot? Was he trying to make himself look better than he, than he actually was? Was he? I consider myself not inferior to the most eminent apostles. Well, who were the most eminent apostles? Who would that be? John, Peter, James. James was killed right away. Did you learn the song when you were a kid? There were 12 disciples. Jesus called them. Him, Simon, Peter, and James' brother, John, Philip, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphys, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas, and Bartholomew. Yeah. Anyway, so those guys, minus Judas, plus the other guy that they added, right? So, so the eminent apostles, the ones who followed Jesus around all of his ministry, right? Paul says, I'm not in the least bit inferior to any of them. <laughs> uh, turn over to Galatians 2 just for fun. Paul continues to stand up for himself. This one makes me laugh. Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He kind of dogs on the uh, apostles here a little bit, maybe. I'm not sure what, you know, you know how, you know how, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in uh, the book of John, there's a little competition between John and Peter. You know, John writes how, you know, he got there first. <laughs> it's sort of funny. You know, it really has nothing to do with anything, but John's like, well, I got there first. Peter went in first, but I got there first, you know. So, so here we have Paul, who is not in the least bit inferior to the other apostles. We'll get back to that in a minute. Galatians 2, 2 verse 9, it says, And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas, or Peter and John, who were, do you see this? Who were reputed to be pillars. The pillars of the church. He goes, well, they were their reputation was that they were the pillars of the church. In other words, you know, he's like, then he says, what they were makes no difference to me. Well, so is he being braggadocious here? Is he knocking them? Is he making, trying to make James and Peter and John look bad? He goes, he didn't even say they were the pillars of the church. He goes, he says, yeah, that was their reputation that they were the pillars of the church. In 1 Samuel, chapter 16, uh, God told Samuel, go anoint a new king. I've rejected Saul as king. I have selected a new king. I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to, to announce a sacrifice. I want you to invite Jesse's family there. And I want you to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the next king. So Samuel went. 
and, and Jesse, I think, had nine sons. There were eight of them there. And, and the first, the oldest came up, and he was tall and handsome and kingly. And Samuel said to himself, here's the guy. Here's the next king. And God says, no, I've rejected him. He's not the one. You're looking on the outside. I look at the, I look at the heart. So you understand Paul can't see the heart of James and Peter and John. He doesn't know what's going on in there. He doesn't know if they're staying true to the Lord. He doesn't know if they're actually a pillar or if that's just their reputation. He doesn't know. All he knows is him. And all you know is you. And, and so we have Paul. He wasn't dogging anybody, but I do think it's sort of funny that he insisted on saying those reputed to be pillars. I think that's funny. But, but <clears throat> you know, people, people, you know, we judge. Here, here's where we need to be more childlike, one, one point where we need to be more childlike. People, we judge people all the time. There was a study done where they, they, uh, they showed people pictures uh, they showed women pictures of men, and in one of the pictures, they had the man looking like he was way taller than everybody else in the picture, and then in the next one they showed the other group, they showed the man looking way shorter than the other people, and they asked, uh, the, the, they asked the women to say which one of them which one of the men in the picture was the best looking, and when he was tall, they picked him. When he was short, they picked somebody else. Okay, you know, and, and you know what? Men would be guilty of doing something similar, you know? But, but, but see, we judge people even we don't, we don't even realize we're doing it. We think things about people, the way they're dressed, the way they cut their hair, the way their body and their head is covered with tattoos and piercings, or where we saw them, or if, if we saw them with a sign on the road that says, you know, help, any help is appreciated. <clears throat> but God looks at the him paying attention to that stuff. In fact, Jesus said the flesh counts for nothing. The flesh counts for nothing, which means the heart counts for everything. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that 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 we shouldn't take care of our bodies. I'm not saying that our bodies aren't important because this is our Earth suit. We live in this. Okay, this is this is. You know, we get one. We get one of these. There's. You can't run down to Walmart and buy a replacement body. You know, if you're, you might be able to get a replacement part or two, but it's <laughs> sketchy at best. And I would just recommend that you take care of the one you got. Okay, but 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 in in the ter in, in terms of eternity and and time that never ends, what matters is our spirit, man. All right, and and Paul said, I am not in the least inferior to anybody. Now you know what? I, if if I were to ask, don't raise your hands, okay, please. If I were to ask, <clears throat> if you feel inferior to anybody in the world. I about everybody in this room would raise their hand. But you know what? If you're born again, spirit, if you're born again, if Jesus is inside of you, you are a new creation. Do you think he made a mistake with the new creation? Do you think he did it wrong? Okay, no. No, he didn't do it wrong. So, so in the eyes of God looking at you, all right, Romans 2, 11 says there is no partiality with God. Uh, Romans 2, 11 in the King James says, there is no respect of persons with God, okay? And, and Paul wasn't the only one who wrote those things in the Bible by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts 10.34, Peter said this. He said, of truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons or does not show partiality. See, see God doesn't show partiality because if you're born again, you're born again. You're righteous in his eyes. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. He loves you the same. The Bible says, Jesus said, he loves you the same as he loves Jesus. 
Well, that, whoa, whoa, you better slow down on that one, Pastor Dave. No, it says that. Jesus said that. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. If you're born again, you've asked Jesus in your heart. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And, and you have, and, and we are childlike faith people. Did you flip that on? Don't flip it off. Put it back on. Put it back on. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And God shows no partiality. So Paul is just as good as John and Peter and James and, and the other 11 or 12. He's, he's just as good as they are in the eyes of God. One, you are just as good as they are in the eyes of God. No, 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 no. That was St. Peter. St. Peter. I'm going to meet him at the gate. No, no, no. If he was way something different than us and way better than us, then Paul wouldn't have confronted him. I think that's in Galatians chapter 2. Paul confronted him because he was not acting in line with the truth. And, and later, Peter said about Paul, <clears throat> I think it's in 2 Peter, he said, you know, sometimes he says stuff that's hard to understand, but listen to him, basically. That's the Dave paraphrase. Okay? So, so we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to see, 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 this is what was, have you ever read the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians? Okay, Paul said, you, you people, you church, 1 Corinthians, in the church of Corinth. He goes, you, you people lack in no spiritual gift, but you're a big bunch of babies. Is that not true? Isn't that what he said? Right? Well, no, 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 no. Sam's a prophet, so, so she's up here and I'm down here. Is that right? No, but that's what we do. I, I went to a church for a while and I had asked one of the people a question, and they're like, oh, well, you need to speak to prophet so-and-so. So they led me over to, and he was a super nice guy, and I think the Lord used him in prophecy, but, but that doesn't mean he can tell you how to live your life. Do you understand that? That's not what the New Testament prophet does. But, but here's the deal. I got to know this guy. He was a big baby. Now, does that mean he couldn't have been a prophet? No. See, that's what we want to do. Well, I know him, and he's got issues you know isn't that what we do see so see the, the word says that god gave a gift to each one each one not just the ones you like not just the ones you hang out with not just the ones that you've never had a run in with or never had an issue with see see it says he gives a gift to each one as he saw fit now, do you understand that that, that that doesn't mean, you know, so gifts and maturity are not the same thing. Do you understand that? You understand? I, I, you know what? I, I met a young lady. She, I think she'd been saved about five minutes, and the Lord had given her a gift, and it was a beautiful gift, but she was very immature, didn't quite know what to do with it. All right? But you know what? We can all see. See, that's why the Bible says that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and preachers to help us all grow up. Hello? So, so we're supposed to receive that teaching, and by that teaching, by the Word of God, we, we grow up. God looks at the heart. We're still talking about uh, not being inferior or superior to anybody else, okay? So just hang with me here, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 says this. Now look at this. Keep your childlike faith switch turned on, okay? You with me? All right, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who has also made us, Paul didn't say made me, adequate as servants of the new covenant. Well, if you look up in the word adequate in the dictionary, it has two meanings. One of them is not so good, okay? The meaning is passable, acceptable, middling, average, mediocre, tolerable, unexceptional. For example, say, for example, I wasn't Pastor Edwin, and let's just say that when I took biology, this isn't actually true, but say if I took biology and I didn't do very well and I didn't study very much and I got a 61%, 
which is passable, you still pass with a 61, but that's a very low D. It's a very barely passing grade, but I still passed. You see, that was adequate score to pass the class, even though I really shouldn't have passed if I got that bad of a score. Tracking with me? De definition number two for adequate is this one. It means capable, sufficient, or enough. And that's what the Holy Ghost was trying to say through Paul, is, is that, you still looking at that? He made us adequate. He made us sufficient. We are enough to face anything that God puts in our pathway, all right, as servants of the new covenant. Back up to, to the, the previous verse. Verse 5 says, not that we are adequate, we're not sufficient, we're not enough in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. In other words, that power, that faith, that glory, that, that strength that we need to walk in, that, that uh, financial sufficiency, that salvation. We can't do that. We can't drum that up on our own. We can't fix ourselves, right? We don't think of it as coming from ourselves, but no, our adequacy, our sufficiency, our ability, our capability, our being enough to handle anything is from God. So, so Paul's writing here, and, and, and he wants, see, see we're, not, we're not inferior to anybody because God has made us adequate. He's made us enough in Christ, mind you, in Christ. You're not enough on your own, and you're certainly not enough to carry out everything that God's asked you to do on this earth by yourself without his help, without his strength. You're not going to be able to do that. All right. When I was, uh, I think I've mentioned this before. When I was a child, I was I was a very sickly baby, and I and 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 I was very sick a lot when I was a young child. And uh, you know, I grew up hearing the family talk about how sick I was, and I wasn't a very strong child when I was a baby. And so I grew up thinking that I just wasn't a very strong person. I didn't have a very tough constitution. I was less than other people, less than other guys. That was until I got a little older and, and I'm hanging out with athletes and I find out that I have way more endurance than they do. They're all pooping out, tired, and I'm like, let's keep going. <laughs> well, but, but do you understand that contradicts what I always had believed about myself? See, see, what we think isn't always right, even about ourselves. We can be totally wrong. See, because, because if we don't realize that God has made us adequate, he's made us enough, he's made us sufficient in him, then all we're doing is looking at our shortcomings, which, okay, we are usually our own worst critic, isn't that right? But Paul, Paul said, I am in no way inferior. Guys, he, he got his childlike faith switch turned on, and he got a hold of what the Word said. And Pastor Tony says this, you know, if a hundred is everything and I'm a one, he makes up the 99, I'm a hundred. If I'm 50, he's 50, I'm a hundred. If I'm 99 and he's one, I'm a hundred. Do you understand that? Paul, Paul's like, I'm, I'm in no way inferior. You are in no way inferior. All right? See, now, yeah, but my mama said, okay. <laughs> okay, there's no children here. Y'all need to let go of whatever mama said if it wasn't nice, okay? Because, because God has something else that he said about you. All right? I, I'm serious. I don't care what your neighbor said. I don't care what your teacher said. I don't care what anybody said. The only thing I care about is, is what he said. And he said that in Christ, you are adequate. You are enough. You are sufficient. Remember that song? I'm not going to sing another song to y'all. <laughs> Chris might pass out on me. I can't have that happening in church. <clears throat> But that song, Whose Report Will You Believe? You know, remember that song? We've sung that here, haven't we? Well, whose report are you going to believe? Mama? <laughs> Your brother? 
your sister, your neighbor, your teacher, who you can believe. I'm serious. Who? You know what? God can't make you believe what he said. He can't make you turn that childlike faith switch on. You can turn it off as much as you want to leave it off. Well, I can't do it. Okay, really? I don't, I don't see that in that book. It, it says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, doesn't it? Well, yeah, but I can't. No. <laughs> see, see, this is where we get in trouble. Switch back on. If it says I can, I can. I, I, I know, guys, trust me. One day, uh, I, I won't go, we, it's too long of a story, but one day I, I was just saying to the Lord, I said, I don't know what to do with this problem. I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to fix this. And, and he said to me, there's nothing wrong. And I'm like, okay, I don't think you understand. Okay. <laughs> but, but do you understand this? See, see, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. And if he says there's nothing wrong, guess what? I don't, I don't need to explain to him. It's like, poor old God, he doesn't understand that I actually have this issue and this problem. Will you be God for me? One second. Poor old God, he doesn't get it. No, 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 no. See, see, he's not the one who has to adjust his thinking. Do you see that? No, no, I'm the one who has to adjust my thinking because I need to get a hold of that. All right? <clears throat> turn, turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I don't have this in my notes, but y'all will give you one freebie. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Somewhere in here. There it is. I found it. All right. All right. Verse hmm, 9, halfway through. Do not be deceived. You see that there? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Period. You see that? But look what it says, verse, so much hope. It's so beautiful. This is so awesome. Verse 11, and such were, you see the past tense there? Not such are some of you. He didn't say such are some of you. You better shape up. No, 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 no. He, he said, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified, made righteous. That's what that means. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. So are you or were you? Were, hello, past tense. See, see. Jesus came and he fixed it all. Jesus came and he forgave it all. Jesus came and he washed it all away. And he made you, he justified you, he acquitted you. That's a, a, a better translation of that word. He acquitted you, you know, when you go to court and, and they find you not guilty. Hallelujah, I get to walk home. Woo! Or drive or Uber or whatever you need to do. I don't care, just get home. Because you're not guilty, see? See, now God said you're not guilty. But I feel, okay, again, childlike faith switch on. If he says you're not guilty, then you're not guilty. If he says you're righteous, then you're, if he says that you're, you're adequate in him, then you're adequate in him. You know what, guys? We just got to start believing it. We got to stop telling ourselves the wrong thing and start telling ourselves the right thing. Now, you know what? I'm going to tell you this. Some of you are not going to like this. God will let you tell yourself the wrong thing and run yourself down and knock yourself out till the day you die until you get to heaven if that's what you decide you want to do. Because, see, he's given you his word and, and he wants you to just flip that little childlike faith switch on and just take a hold of it and say, if it says it, then I believe it and I'm going to do it. And that's the way it is. You were made an eternal spirit in the image of Almighty God. You were lovingly handcrafted with abilities and capabilities 
and talents. And if you have received Jesus, you're that new creation, and your body may be uncooperative, your earth suit may be decaying, but the word says that your spirit man is made new every day. So, so you're just, you know, you're not getting older on the inside of you. You're just getting older on the outside of you. You know, I, 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 I do my best to hide the actual color of my hair. Um, but, but, but if you look close, you can see how gray I actually am. Now, none of y'all need to say anything. I had somebody tell me, one day they, they grinned at me and they said, my hair will never be gray, do you understand? I'm like, <laughs> I do understand what that means, in fact. There's, there's such a thing as gray and then there's such a thing as you'll never see gray. But either way, it's, we don't have Angelica here to explain what that means, but she's a hairstylist and she colors people's hair. You understand that? Now, here's the deal. Your, our culture may not see you as perfect. You may not fit the mold, okay? Uh, your spouse may not see you as perfect, okay? Um, your boss may not realize who you really are in Christ, okay? But, but from God's point of view, it is totally unimportant what anybody thinks of you except him and what they think you know, what the Word says about you is all that matters. I mean, we, we can get caught up in all the nonsense, and we can get caught up in the whole world system and look at ourselves the way they do. You know, I mean, there's so many things about, I'll just give you one example, about beauty that are so, it's so cultural. You understand what I'm saying? In, in some cultures, overweight means you're healthy. In some cultures, overweight means you're just overweight. All right, in, in some culture, you know, back 100 years ago, I had like the perfect color of skin. In fact, people who were absolutely like porcelain pale like me, uh, they would make sure they stayed inside and covered up so that their skin would stay porcelain white. Nowadays, people like a good dark tan, you know? Isn't that right? It's true, isn't it right? But, but that wasn't true 100 years ago. In fact, the, my, our next door neighbor when I was, this big, that was a long time ago. She was very, very old. So she was born in the 1800s. And she would say, you have the most beautiful skin because she had grown up in that era where porcelain white skin was considered to be glamorous and nice and attractive. All right, that's not true anymore. But, but culture changes. The idea of beauty changes. The idea of, of, uh, the idea of, of how we look at each other is very cultural and it changes a lot. But see, see, God didn't make a mistake when he made you. Yeah, but I wanted, always wanted to be blonde. Really? Well, there's, I, I've, seen, <laughs> I've seen blondes who dyed their hair dark brown. You're like, really? Yeah, nobody, you know, I always wanted curly hair. I always wanted straight hair. Really? Get over it. Okay, better move on. <laughs> because, hello. Nobody's ever happy with stuff. You know what I mean? But, but you know what? See, you are in no way inferior. God's made you amazing, all right? And, and uh, you know, the enemy would love it. He would love it if you just felt inadequate all the time, all right? If you just wished you were more all the time, or if you just kept comparing yourselves to other people all the time. He loves that because, you know, if, 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 he, can, uh, if, you, if he can keep you, um, in your job, feeling like they're always mad at you, or you're always on the verge of being fired. You know, if he can just keep you unsettled all the time, then you can't focus. And if you can't focus, you can't accomplish what it is that God put you on this earth to do. You know, we, we can all get all, and it's in the parable of the sower, the, the, the seeds that fung, fell among the weeds. You know, people are just concerned about the cares of this world and the worries of everything and desires for other things, and we just get all unfocused and scattered and going in 18 directions. And instead of focusing on what God said and what God wants us to do, we're all just worried about everything and feeling bad about ourselves. And Amen. 
one of one of my instructors at, at Bible College said that she 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 uh, sinned in a certain particular area again. It was one of those areas that she had trouble with. I don't know what it was. I could care less. But anyway, she she had trouble with it, and and she sinned again, and she went to the Lord. You know, and she, you know, you understand. I, she felt bad. You know, you know how you do. You're like God. You know what the Lord said to her? He said, I want you to act like it never happened. Just move on. See, see, you know, what we do is we dive into that pool of guilt and shame and self-flagellation, and we beat ourselves up, and we feel terrible, and we go on for days feeling awful. Really? You know, just confess it and move on. See, see, just Pastor Tony said this. You know, when we, when we, when we get in that pool of guilt and shame, it, it actually puts us in a position to continue to fail. See, he doesn't want you to, he doesn't want you to keep failing, but he, he doesn't want you living in guilt and shame either because you're a new creation. Confess it and move on, all right? Forget about it. Well, yeah, but I keep making the same mistake over and over. Yeah, uh-huh. And, 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 and the word says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed your sin from you. Okay, the east and the west, I don't, I don't, I'm not Einstein or anything, but the way I see that, they never meet, okay? They're, one of them goes forever that way, and one of them goes forever that way, and they never, ever meet, and, and, and that's what he said. Didn't he say that? Didn't the word say that? So, so it's just bad manners to keep reminding God about what you did wrong after you confessed it. Why on earth would you do that? You know, if I, if I, I pick on Edwin because he doesn't mind, but I'll pick on Alex. Alex, if I sinned against Alex, one time, and he'd forgive me if I sinned on, you know, and, and if I said, Alex, I'm really sorry uh, again, and then I said it again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, after a while, Alex would get annoyed. He'd be like, enough. Stop. I got it. The first time you asked me to forgive you, I took hold of that one and moved on. It's time for you to move on. But see, we don't do that as long as we listen to the enemy. If you listen to God, you do it. Yeah, but, but, but if I don't beat myself up really good, God won't think I'm really sorry. Really? Does it say that? Is that a verse? Is that in there somewhere? Chapter what? Hesitations chapter what? No, seriously. Don't we do that? Oh, he won't think I'm really sorry unless I ask him to forgive me like 17 times. Really? He's just going to think you have a bad memory. Anyway... <laughs> Whose report will you believe? In, in the book of Genesis, Joseph, I don't have a lot of time. Um, in the book of Genesis, Joseph, uh, when he was a young man, he was 17, he had dreams. And, and in his dream, his, his, he was a sheaf of wheat or something. And his brothers were sheaves of wheat. And his brothers came and, and they gathered around his sheaf of wheat and they bowed down to him. And his brothers were like, they already hated him anyway. But, but, but you know, they said, are you really going to reign over us? Are, are you really going to rule us? And they hated him even more than they already did hate him. Okay? So, so Joseph had a, a spiritual dream, and God told him that people were going to come and bow down to him, that he was going to be the ruler. So the next thing we find is that Joseph, is, his brothers sold him, to the Ishmaelites, uh, a caravan of Ishmaelites crossing the deserts. His brothers, wonderful brothers, I thought my brothers were tough on me. Anyway, um, they sold him as a slave, and they, the, the Ishmaelites took him to Egypt and sold him to a guy named Potiphar, and Joseph excelled as a slave in Potiphar's house. And uh, he, uh, he, then, he then, though... Uh, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce Joseph and he refused and then she instead of, of letting it go she accused him of uh, trying to seduce her and trying to take advantage of her so Potiphar had him thrown in jail where he excelled and helped in the prison and the Bible says that, that, that the 
head jailer put him in charge of all the other prisoners and everything. And everything that Joseph did, he didn't even give it a thought because he knew what excellence Joseph showed in his work. And he didn't even give it a thought to anything that Joseph did. He just let Joseph take care of everything. And then in the course of time, there were a couple men who had a dream. Joseph interpreted the dream. One of them told Pharaoh, who had a dream, that Joseph had interpreted their dream. Pharaoh pulls Joseph out of prison. And God gives Joseph the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream and that there's going to be a terrible drought in seven years that's going to last seven years and that they need to start storing up grain and they need to prepare for this. And Pharaoh's like, well, who has the spirit of God except you? I'm putting you number two vice president in the country. You are now in charge. Nobody, I'm the only one who's over you. Whatever you says is law. Whatever you do is right. Do whatever you need to do to make sure we're safe. So now I, I want you to think about this for a minute. <laughs> Joseph, Joseph, was destined to rule. He knew it from the time he was 17. He was just a young man. He had more than one dream, actually. And, and he knew that he was the ruler. He knew that his brothers someday would come and bow down to him. They did. He knew that, that all these things were going to happen. And yet, the first thing that happened is that he was hated. That's actually good training for a leader, okay? Uh, you know, he was hated by his family, hated by other people, hated by his brothers, okay? Then he, got, he became a slave, and, and while he was a slave, he, he learned really good work ethic. That's a good thing, right? And, and, and he kept, now I want you to think about this, he kept his good attitude because the word that came from God said he was going to be a ruler, and he didn't let go of that. He went ahead and instead of doing what I would have done as a slave, he, he had a good attitude and he worked his tail off for this man who bought him to the point where the man put him in charge of everything in his whole house and all the other servants and slaves and his household, he put Joseph in charge. And then in the course of time, Joseph wound up in prison because he was falsely accused and in prison, Joseph learned compassion and responsibility and, and more leadership. All right, all the things that he needed to have to be a good leader. God prepared all these, taught him all these things because Joseph had a willing heart. Because Joseph saw that he was in no way inferior to all these people around him. Just because he was in jail didn't mean he was inferior. Just because he was a slave didn't mean he was inferior. Because God said he was a ruler. So Joseph took every opportunity to learn and practice being a ruler up until the day that he was sprung out of prison and put into the number two position in the country when he was the ruler and needed to be the ruler. But see, not all of us could do that. That would be hard because I don't like my circumstances. See, and what we want is we want God to change our circumstances rather than us saying, okay, here I am. I know this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to learn whatever I need to learn. I'm going to be victorious in every way that I need to be victorious. Right here, right now, I don't care what else is going on. Yeah. Is that easy to do? No. But whose report are we going to believe? Are we going to believe what God said? Or are we going to just, well, I don't like my boss. I don't like my job. I don't like my house. I don't like my husband. I don't like my wife. I don't like my kid. I don't like the way everybody's acting. I don't like the president. Okay. What does that have to do with you and what God said about you here? Nothing. You know, we, we okay. You remember why God gave us the apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists, remember why? So that we would all grow up, okay? Isn't that right? Isn't that why he gave them to us? Okay, now if you refuse to grow up, Peter Pan, think about it. If you never saw Peter Pan, that's not my fault.
See, we can refuse to grow up. We can just keep our bad attitude. We can keep feeling sorry for ourselves. We can live in self-pity. It's a really fun way to live. It's lots of just great for all people around you, too. It's just tons of fun for everybody. Yeah, maybe not. You know, somebody, I heard somebody say this one day. Well, I'm going to quit my job because I don't like the non-Christians I work around. Really? Yeah, well, okay, maybe you're the only Jesus they're ever going to see. Why don't you take a second look at what kind of a job you have and did God lead you there or not? Well, if he didn't lead you there, you shouldn't be there in the first place. If he did lead you there, you better figure out how you're going to make it work. All right? Because I'm telling you, that's what we want. We want you know, to go into God's drive-through window and God, okay, I'm ordering a, a new job with all Christians and all people who are really nice to me all the time. Well, I, I have bad news for you because, because I worked in a place with all Christians one time. I don't mean this church, but one time I worked at another place <laughs> with all Christians and it was the hardest job I ever had, and I got along. I, it was harder to get along with some of the people than any place I've ever worked. Okay, so, you know, your bubble, I just burst that one, okay? So it isn't that easy, okay? You know, sometimes, you know, my wife said this one day. You know, there was somebody at her job she was ministering to, and she goes, even if it was just for me ministering to this one person, I'm glad God brought me here. Yeah. Don't you love that? Jim, who you know, who works in the, the auto sales industry. <laughs> Tuesday morning in a Bible study, he said something that really caught my attention. I'm going a little long, but just stay with me. Um, he, he said, I've noticed something about the people who succeed in this business. They are all grateful for the opportunity that they have to work here. Isn't that cool? See, see, if you can walk in with your shoulders back and your head up, knowing that you're not in the least inferior to anybody there, and God, you brought me here, and what is it you want me to do here? Lord, I don't have all the skills and talents I need, but you're going to make up the difference, and, and you're going to help me, and you're going to give me strength, and you're going to give me light, and you're going to make this work, then here we go, God. Let's you and me, let's see what we can do here. See, now there... Don't you want to hire that person? Oh, yeah. If you had a company, you think, that's the person I want. I want that person right there. Instead of Eeyore, well, I suppose. I don't feel very good today. I really don't want to be here. I don't really like this job. I don't like my desk over here. Can't, don't you have an office I could be in? I don't like this cubicle. And, and the cafeteria food is really terrible here. And there's nowhere to go. There's no place to get to to go to lunch. And... So I have to bring a lunch, but I didn't really like what I made for dinner last night. <clears throat> I'd like to say I was never that person, but we better just keep going here. Anyway, I, I, I'm out of time, but you know what? God has made you adequate in the good sense of the word adequate in Christ. We can do all things through him who strengthens us. There's nothing that we can face. You know, there's nothing that we can face that, that God and, and, and you can't handle, that God and I can't handle. You know, we, we can, if there's temptation that comes our way, he'll help us overcome it and be strong. If there's strength that we need, if there's healing that we need, whatever we need, he's got it. But, but we got to keep that childlike faith switch turned on and trust him and believe him for it, all right? Let's pray.